the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Every pitch is your pitch. The greatest show on dirt. Omaha! Omaha! Deep to left field. Way back there. Gone! A grand slam! Omaha wins the College World Series! Now, they can add college baseball to their trophy case. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Mike Calabrese and I am joined by our collegiate baseball devotee. That's Colin Wilson. He is our warrior on the diamond. And just right off the bat, Colin, I got to share that I feel your pain as someone who covers college basketball for the entire season, not just during March Madness. A lot of people like to poke their head in the world of college basketball, say on March 7th. I need to know what's going on. Who should I be betting? Who's good? Who's not? Who's overrated? So you have to carry that weight. And in this case, you're carrying a lot of baseball bats here. You're swinging the donuts for everybody else. But that means that you're in midseason form already. So when we parachute into our College World Series preview and get into the NCAA tournament on the diamond, you have all the answers for us. Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, from a betting perspective, a huge weekend winning uh, a ton of the series, way more series, cashing some underdogs, uh, you know, calling out Oral Roberts to win game one against Oklahoma State, a a four seed almost never beats a one seed in a regional. Uh, From a cash perspective, I had a fantastic regional. From an emotional perspective, my Arkansas Razorbacks got skunked by TCU. Uh, you know, we had Eric Musselman out in the outfield sweating. I was sweating. Uh, TCU is absolutely on fire. And Arkansas, once again, five years removed from being one out from winning the national championship. Again, a letdown in the postseason. So uh, we will let the Razorbacks go and, and we will discuss these eight supers. So first, we'll kind of break down for the audience. How did we get here? It's a 64-team tournament, and just so everyone knows, it's a little bit top-heavy with two conferences. The SEC and ACC sent almost 30% of all those teams to the field, 10 out of 14 of the SEC teams, 8 out of the 14 ACC teams. But there's still room for the Cinderella's, you know, although when you go down the line, most of these teams have been there before. But Penn hadn't made the tournament in 28 years Then they go ahead down on the Plains. They beat Auburn in their home stadium. They beat Sanford, and they almost make it to the Super Regional, falling to Southern Miss 11-7 in the Regional Final. So there's still some room for those teams to put together a dream run. And in that beginning, those regionals, the way that it works in college baseball is that you have double elimination there. So you got to go 3-0 or 3-1 to advance out of your four-team pod, and the higher-rated team gets to host nine times out of ten every once in a while. There's some scheduling snafus that prevent that from happening, but in most cases, the top team is hosting. Then we get to the Super Regionals, which is where we are right now. It's essentially the College Baseball Sweet 16. These simplify a little bit. This is just a best of three situation. It's going to be played out over the weekends. And it's a a lot of excitement because you get to focus on one opponent as opposed to trying to prepare for multiple opponents. Then we break it down into the Elite Eight. They don't call it that. They call it the College World Series, which returns to the double elimination format in two separate brackets. So you can go 3-0 and or 3-1, and and the two winners of those two brackets meet for a best-of-three national title duel. So that's how we do it here in college baseball. So we have an opportunity now to break it down, and Colin's the best person in the world to do it for us. So we're going to go through these eight super regional matchups. So getting started, Wake Forest hosting Alabama. Then we have LSU hosting Kentucky. 
just a quick note there, LSU won two out of three in the regular season over the Wildcats. They scored 33 runs in three games. We'll get into the prolific Bayou Bengals offense. Stanford hosting Texas on the 40 acres. Southern Miss down in Hattiesburg hosting Tennessee. Florida hosting South Carolina. Another note, an SEC on SEC battle. During the regular season, South Carolina actually swept Florida. And in the aggregate, they beat them 25 to 10. So an interesting play there. Excited to hear Colin's thoughts on that one. Then an ACC battle, Virginia against Duke. Duke won two out of three over UVA during the regular season. This one will be hosted in Charlottesville. And then finally, as we mentioned, Oral Bob, they're making their run. They got to go through Oregon. Uh, They're in the Pacific Northwest, but they're the last super regional matchup. So series prices just dropped, which is fortuitous for this pod. What jumped out to you first, Colin? Oral Roberts, by far. I have them projected to win each one of their games if they were to play three games. Now, Before I hop into this, everyone realize the format. In regionals, if you have a star stud pitcher, you usually pitch him on Friday nights during the season, but during regionals, you hold him off for the winner's bracket on Saturday. Now we flip into a best two of three this weekend in the Supers, so your stud pitcher goes back to pitching on Friday nights. So keep that in mind when you try to project pitchers. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter, and I'll have all the projected pitchers and and confirmations and all that good stuff. Now, Oral Roberts, to me, is the buy plus 132. I project them to be minus 220 on Friday night, Jacob Hall going against Logan Ricardo of Oregon. And I project them minus 220 again with Harley Gobert going against Turner Splorjerick and for Oregon on Saturday. And if they, you know, somehow end up on a game, a game three, I've got them minus 170 with Brooks Fowler on the mound. So I have them heavily projected better than minus 150, 150 in all three games. Right now, the series price uh, is sitting on like plus 130, 132. Um, Oral Roberts is absolutely for real. They just ran through host Oklahoma State, a team that they had already beaten twice. Uh, they have played a ton of big boys on their schedule this season. Uh, I think Oregon's in a lot of trouble up there. One series I want to get your thoughts on right away. I brought up at the top that nine times out of 10, the higher rated team gets to host. Not in the case of TCU drawing Indiana State. This game should be played in Terre Haute, Indiana, but instead the Sycamores have to travel down to Fort Worth. And that's not good news going up against a TCU lineup that is red hot, particularly Braden Taylor. He was a stud in the the Fayetteville regional. He was eight for 14, two home run, 10 RBIs, maybe playing his way into, let's say, a top 15 pick in the Major League Baseball draft. Do you think TCU is worth a sprinkle here at minus 200 for the series price? Well, they have not lost a game since May 18th against Kansas State. They lost 7-6 to six in conference play. They had won their previous six games before that. They are absolutely on fire right now, blasted Arkansas out of their own building. And when you think about putting up a 20-5 to five spot, you need to realize that Baumwalker Stadium in Fayetteville is a pitcher's park. It has deep dimensions in left and right center field, and they still hit two grand slams in the first two innings in the winner's bracket against Arkansas. So with wind pushing in, I mean, this team is absolutely on fire. The series price for me is correct because they're playing at home. Indiana State is leaving. They were a a regional host, uh, but due to the Special Olympics coming through Terre Haute, they're going to go on the road. I've got TCU Cole Klecker in their first game, minus 110. Uh, I've got uh, TCU favored again with Cam Brown, minus 110. And then a favored with uh, Sam Stoutenborough, minus 120 if they do play a game three. So they're going to be favored in all three games. The price is a little bit high if you do the mathematics on the series calculation, so you can play it game to game, uh, play it series-wise, but yes, TCU is coming out of this. Let's go to the top of the board. Any chance that Bama gets through Rhett Louder 
I mean, the guy is phenomenal. The Demon Deacons have arguably the best pitching staff in the nation. Can they win in a low-scoring battle, which isn't traditional necessarily for college baseball. Usually you see some higher scores compared to Major League Baseball. But this one kind of screams that Bama squeezes by a 3-2 win, you know, maybe two times over. Yeah, one of the big stats that you want to take into baseball is base runs and runs per game, right? So you can get a pretty good average about what they're going to score. Wake Forest, a full run better than Alabama and all of those metrics. I expect Rhett Lauder to be about minus 410 in his first game against Luke Holman. And then in game two, minus 385 for Josh Hartle against Garrett McMillan. You can't argue with what Wake is doing. Number one in the nation in ERA, staff ERA, staff whip, number one in the nation. Uh, you know, top 10 home runs per game on base percentage. So there's not a flaw, but we've seen teams like Tennessee last year. We've seen Arkansas in previous years where the number one seed gets to this point completely on fire and then they don't make it to Omaha. And I've, 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 I've tweeted it. I've said it. The, you know, the number one overall seed hasn't won it since 99. They haven't even been to Omaha since 18 and they haven't played in the championship round since 2009. So history is against Wake Forest. The stats, the numbers and the projected odds are absolutely four in favor of Wake Forest. So I'm not fading them. I do have a Bama future. I will, you know, let everybody know because I've been asked a billion times on Twitter. There's only one shop where you're going to get a Bama future. And if if you can't get it, don't worry about it, uh, you know, because it, 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 you're not going to find it anywhere. You don't have to cycle through a billion apps. But uh, uh, Wake Forest is, uh, looks like that they should dominate in this series. But um, so we'll see what Alabama can do. Well, you bring up an interesting point. I, I kind of want to have a question pivot off of this, that sometimes the format tends to favor certain styles of play over others. And you see it in college basketball a lot, where teams that shoot a lot of three-pointers over the course of the season – you know, that's going to balance out. And if they're accurate from three point range, those teams are going to tend to have the one and two seeds come March Madness. But one game where you shoot 20 percent or less from three point range, you can get, you know, kind of booted out of the tournament. Is there something that is kind of tied to these top seeds falling? Is Wake Forest susceptible as well by not necessarily being a team that's going to pound you from their lineup? They want to win those games where their staff's keeping you under four runs. Yeah, it's the bats. And if the bats cool off, then you can absolutely go into a funk and, in, and easily in two games, if they knock your ace out, you're, you're, you're done. Your season can be over that fast. Wake Forest does have the depth in the pitching where they can bring somebody else in. They, a lot of these teams have blue guys that come in. They, they follow the Tampa Bay Rays model where they're not afraid in the second inning to go to the bullpen and get somebody else in there. But the bats are probably one of the most unpredictable things when teams show up every week, again, it's like we say during college football and college basketball, these are 19 year old kids. We don't know what's going on in their personal life. And also one thing in college baseball, that's really hard to handicap is what teams do against left-handed pitching and against teams that have a player that can throw a really strong cutter and slider. When you think of Kevin cops from Arkansas a couple of years ago, nobody could hit that. So, you know, wake forest could run into that. I don't think they're going to see that out of Alabama. I'm willing to let my Bama future ride. I'm not going to hedge it. The price is too much, uh, but I don't see Wake tripping up this weekend. So our illustrious producer, Matt Mitchell, pointed out to me that you have a lot of hot takes on the Tennessee Volunteers. Does that factor in to your handicap of Southern Miss UT this weekend? Well, I I despise Tony Vitello, right? Former assistant coach at Arkansas. Him and Dave Van Horn were two peas in a pod. He leaves. He takes the head coaching job at Tennessee. There's been some words thrown across the Mississippi River both ways. I think there was a little bit of a shouting match on the turf. Uh, I don't have any love for the style that, uh, of Tony Vitello's coaching. 
but I also have to bite my lip because word on the street is once Dave Van Horn retires at Arkansas, Tony's coming home to be the head coach. So I really kind of have to watch like, you know, but no, Tennessee, I have a future on absolutely love them. And I think that they're going to take this series here. I project a minus minus one thirty in their very first game against Southern Miss over Tanner Hall, Andrew Lindsay, minus minus one thirty over Tanner Hall. Uh, Tanner Hall pitched the last game of Southern Miss's regional that they won his pitch count. I, I, believe off the top of my head got up around 40 or 50 so that was the second time that he pitched in the regional so we don't know how fatigue is going to play for tanner hall who is southern miss's stud and then billy oldham's going to go in the second game against chase dollander uh project tennessee about minus 140 there so i do like tennessee in this in this setup but you know at this point you need to kind of look at futures too are you going to buy a series price or are you going to go with the futures the winner of this is probably going to get LSU and Omaha. And that is not something I would want to run into. So I would much rather play a Tennessee series price or a Friday, Saturday night game than I would taking a future on them. Before we get into futures full throated here, anything else in the super regionals in terms of the best of three series price that you like? Yeah, Stanford is absolutely priced too high. Uh, this is a, a series between Stanford and Texas that I, I have all the way down to even. It really should be minus 105 going both ways. Uh, for the you know direct projections that I have on this, I have Lucas Gordon going up against Quinn Matthews in the first game, minus 105 in favor of Texas. Joey Dixon going up against LeBar and Johnson Jr. Uh, that's a minus 110 for Texas. I mean, this is completely even. So just you know, based upon numbers alone, you should take Texas in the plus money. Look to you know possibly take the other side with Stanford in a game where they're going to be an underdog, which would be game two when Joey Dixon throws. Uh, the most even series on the slate by far is going to be Texas and Stanford. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Hi there, listeners. We're back to invite you to head into this sports betting summer with new gear built to last. And friends of the podcast, Shady Rays have you covered against the glare of that summer sun with premium polarized shades. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company offering world-class products, durable frames, the clearest possible optics, and Shady Rays also offers the best protection plan in all of eyewear. 
How good is it? Well, every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? Here's what they told me. It means if you lose or break your pair, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, it's okay. You don't need to cry about it. You just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. And you can look good and feel good because to date, Shady Rays has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. That's nice. So exclusively for you, our beloved podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses, and you can try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. One added question for our audience, for the newbies watching for the first time, which of these eight venues do you think is the most aptly characterized as a hornet's nest for the opposing team coming in? And what do you think is more of a sleepy venue that is neutral or, you know, for a fan base that may travel a lot, actually you could see more away fans there? Yeah, I would not want to be Kentucky going into Alex Box for LSU. That is, there are a couple of places in the nation where you don't want to play. It feels like an, a hot MLB playoff environment. You don't want to go play at Mississippi State at Duty Noble. You don't want to play at Arkansas unless your name is TCU. But Alex Box is that way uh, with, with LSU. So I, I think, you know, the the series price is justified, what you're going to see in the market. Uh, their starting pitcher, Paul Skins, is absolutely going to be pitching an MLB probably by the end of the year. Uh, Dylan Cruz, their, their star player uh, uh, in, in the lineup, you can't pitch around him. He's, he's absolutely electric. Uh, that is an environment I would not want to go down and play. Not to mention, it's hot. It's sticky. It is hot in the South. And, uh, you know, we'll see how Kentucky does down there. Kentucky does not have the runs per game. The base runs are the offense. Kentucky only wins games in low scoring. They're 221st in the nation in homers per nine. That's not going to get it done down in Alex Box. So speaking of LSU, let's get into four teams that you feel confident are going to make a deep run either to, you know, being the last four teams in the tournament or potentially winning this whole thing outright. Start with LSU. I think they're priced to move. I'm interested. I'm putting my money there. Plus 650. This is a six-time college World Series championship program. So this is not uncharted territory for them by any stretch. They're a power-hitting team. They average over two home runs per game, which is fifth nationally. They bat 311 as a team, which was first in the SEC, 16th nationally. Dylan Cruz, as you brought up, he should already be laying out his you know, wardrobe black and yellow because he's going to be a Pittsburgh Pirate in short order. He's been 426 at the top of the lineup, which sets the table perfectly for this team. And then when you look right behind him, it's no surprise that Tommy White, if he plays enough games in this tournament, is probably going to get to 100 RBIs on the year batting out of the two-hole. So that's incredible. And then you pepper in Paul Skeens, as you brought up. Superstar, big game pitcher, big league stuff just threw a complete game against Tulane in the regionals looked phenomenal. So to me, that has all the trappings of a champion and I like the price, you know, I'm used to the world of college football where to get premium talent like this, generally you're looking at plus two fifty, plus two twenty five. I understand this is a tournament setting, these small, you know, windows where you're only playing three and four games. You can get booted. If things go awry, it happens, but plus six fifty has my attention. Am I missing anything with the Bayou Bengals here? No, you're, you're not. LSU absolutely will will win the series against Kentucky. Uh, they will get paired up with the winner of Tennessee Southern Miss. Again, you're going to give Paul Skins a week of rest and let him pitch again to get into the winner's bracket, or maybe Ty Floyd. We'll see. But 
LSU has the pitching. They have the offense to make it into the winner's bracket uh, when they get to Omaha. So I love them as one of the final four teams. So I think you're justified in that on the top side of that bracket. I'm just going to stick with historical trends and say that somehow Wake doesn't make it. So that kind of opens up the field up there. Texas and Stanford uh, could be on a little bit of a letdown after their series. Alabama has been proving everybody wrong since they fired their coach uh, and, and absolutely just keep winning. I mean, I, we, nobody thought they even had a chance to be a regional host. So, you know, I'm going to say Alabama meets up with LSU, a little college football preview going on in the winner's bracket on their side. Uh, but if you're taking a future right now, Mike, I'm going to go to the other side of the bracket and you got to take TCU at 13 to one. And the reason is, is because they're paired up against Indiana state. Indiana State is 40 to 1 on the board. Nobody expects them to advance. I don't expect them to advance. Who are they going to play after that? I project them to play Oral Roberts in, in Omaha in game one. And TCU absolutely should blast that pitching that Oral Roberts has. And then you've got TCU sitting in the winner's bracket while they dodge Virginia, Florida, South Carolina, LSU's on the other side, Tennessee's on the other side, Wake's on the other side. TCU's path, that's the happy path right there. Grab your Horn Frogs 13 to one. And, you know, shout out to Hypno Toad. If you get to the championship game this year, do something with it. Not like the, what the football team did. All right. Color in uh, the picture for me here because I have the outline of it. And it's that Cole Klecker needs to pitch like a true number one top of the rotation kind of guy for TCU to make this run. He also has the added pressure against the Sycamore Bats that he needs to make sure this is like at best a quality start three runs and six innings kind of situation. Cause the Sycamores have a tremendous staff fourth nationally in ERA at 3.83 per game. Is that just a, a product of the opponents that they play, or is this really a top to bottom lights out pitching staff from Indiana state? The, the, the pitching staff has a high enough, the whole team has a high enough RPI to where they're, they've proven it. Now I think the big difference between like in game one, Matt J- Jackick, uh, versus Cole Klecker is you don't want to just look at ERAs on starting pitchers. You want FIP sure, and yeah. you, want, you want FIP and you want XFIP. And I'm looking at Cole Klecker's XFIP. It's 5.8. I'm looking at his FIP. It's 6.2, right? Those are, those are both about two runs higher than what Indiana State's going to bring to the table. So TCU's just going to have to out hit them. That's it. But that's really what you're betting on is hot sticks. And hot sticks really get to the championship series these days. So I agree that Indiana State has the pitching. But they're getting displaced from home. They're going down to the South, playing in some major heat against a team that just put up double digits easily in, in every game in, in a, in a primetime regional. Uh, I, I don't see – I mean, I I, I don't. I wouldn't blame anybody from a numbers perspective saying the TCU number is too high. It is. I would pass on the series price and buy the 13-1. to 1. So you sold me on a 13-1 to 1 team being gifted home field advantage and mm-hmm. they couldn't be hidden at a you know better rate coming in. Let's talk about a team that has to do it traditionally. They got to go to Gainesville and they got to beat a Florida team that they did sweep during the regular season. Talking about South Carolina here, they're 12 to one, two-time college world series champion. They went back to back in 2010, 2011, also a great power hitting team, but they balance it out. They're 13th in team ERA in all of NCAA baseball and they have two all-SEC first-team members in Cole Messina, their catcher. And Ethan Petrie, their outfielder, was phenomenal. He kind of – I wouldn't say he came out of nowhere. I'm sure people in the know expected big things out of him in his first year in Garnett and Black. But the guy went berserk. And when you put together their two numbers, they hit 40 dingers, knocked in 140 RBIs. 
And when you balance that out with James Hicks and Jack Mahoney, this there's a lot to like about this team. I mean, Hicks had a five-inning, one-hit performance against Central Connecticut State. Then Mahoney had a quality start right off of that six Ks and six innings against NC State. So I'm starting to, to nod along with you talking about the Gamecocks at 12 to 1. Well, I tweeted out yesterday, I have a 200 to one on South Carolina that was bought back in January. And uh, yeah, it's not a $5 ticket either. It, it's it, it, so it's a, uh, let's just say there, I mean, you know, if South Carolina wins at all, I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to go on vacation for a month. Uh, college football might get delayed for, for you may while. get a big spur tattoo somewhere on your body. Yeah. Something I'll be playing that rooster crowing uh, in my house all the time. Uh, to me, this is a very even series. Uh, I do know, you know, South Carolina swept them, but that was at home. I don't take SEC home wins that seriously because it's tough to win on the road. Uh, so yeah, James Hicks in game one against Brandon Sproke. I project Florida minus 110. Turn around with Hurston Waldrop against Jack Mahoney. I make Florida minus 110. And then if we get to Jack Caglianun, I mean, Shohei Otani of college baseball, right? We're, we're jacking homers. We're, uh, you know, pitching seven innings and, and striking out 17 players. Uh, he is an absolute stud for Florida. I project him minus 120 in a third, potential third game against Matthew Becker. But, you know, even throwing out those projections, you have to wonder if these two teams are going, if whoever wins the first game, if if that team isn't going to unload the entire pin to try not to get into a game three. Uh, I think this is a very evenly matched uh, series. Florida has the home field advantage. Uh, I, I wouldn't place them at minus 148. So I, I would absolutely either buy a series price on South Carolina or I would take a future on them because I don't fear Virginia and Duke, who's who they would meet up with in Omaha. The last team that you'd like to come from the back of the pack, so to speak, is Alabama upsetting Wake and then making a run. I know that Wake eats up all the oxygen and rightfully so when it comes to their pitching staff, but Alabama – they're seventh in team RA, fifth in whip. And then I know so much is focused on the starters, and rightfully so. That's kind of how you should begin your process when you're looking to, to bet individual games or even series. But Alden Davis, the second out of their pen, all freshmen out of the SEC, eight saves. And when they needed him in the regionals, two and a third scoreless, four Ks, got the save against Troy. Does he give them a little bit of an edge where the pressure laden game? starts to slide over the Demon Deacons who need to be, you know, capitalizing on this dream season that they've been putting together. If you want to know how much fire Alabama has in them, watch Alton Davis pitch and how he comes off the mound when he closes an inning. He, he's absolutely uh, on fire. He's heated. This entire Alabama team has a chip on their shoulder considering what they've went through this year when Luke Coleman was scratched uh, and then their coach was let go. Uh, there is something in the water going on down in Tuscaloosa with this baseball team. But yes, bullpen is, is a big part of it. So when you see these projections come out uh, that I provide everybody, it's a mixture of expected innings pitches from the pitching staff, the starting pitchers ERA, FIP, XFIP, ERA, and then the pen ERA, FIP, and XFIP, which all go into it. And Alton Davis is a big part of that for Alabama. The problem is, is Wake Forest's starters are so good and, you know, they project to, uh, you know, go deep into games. I think, you know, right now I'm looking at uh, Rhett Louder to go 6.8 innings. I've got uh, Josh Hartle to get uh, into the seventh inning. I've got, um, you know, Jacob McNary to get to at least get five down. So the problem with Wake Forest is, is you've got to get their starters out of the game and get deeper into their pin, which it looks like, you know, just from a, a broad view, it, look, it looks like Alabama's got about a run higher from, from Penn ERA and Penn FIP. So, this is a this is going to be a tough task for Alabama, but you know 
underdogs win these games and, and you can see it from the, from their play on the field that they are completely fired up. They're not sleepwalking in, into this one. Last question to put an extra tool in the tool belt of our first time college world series betters out there listening from a live betting perspective. If your book is offering that of these 16 teams that are left, if one falls behind four or five runs in a game, who's the one that you're keeping an eye on the live line? Cause you want to hammer it because they have the lineup. They can hang those crooked numbers and get back in games in a hurry. Yeah, so the two regionals you need to watch, I'm sorry, super regionals you need to watch because of a park factors perspective and the totals that I'm projecting is going to be Texas and Stanford out in Palo Alto and LSU and Kentucky uh, down in Baton Rouge. Those games, generally, I look at it, I've got them projected around 15 to 16 and a half runs. Uh, Everybody else, I mean, the Indiana, I mean, there's some there are some of these regionals where it doesn't get up that high. Tennessee Southern Miss, these are two of the lowest run scoring you know, uh, teams out there, eight, nine run totals. Uh, I would absolutely be looking at Palo Alto and Baton Rouge as places where if a team has a four-run lead, six-run lead, that can evaporate pretty quickly. Uh, so especially, you know, it's, Kentucky is a, a team that you hesitate on betting overs on, but down in Alex box, the ball just flies out of there. So We'll see how that goes. But those are two regionals definitely that I will be live betting. And last question, just from an overall strategy perspective of these top seeds, let's call it all the teams that are hosting, which one needs to get out of the super regional the fastest from uh, rest and recovery for their staff perspective? Who needs to go 2-0 and and just punch their ticket so they can you know kind of refresh before they get into the College World Series? Yeah, Duke. Southern Miss, they just ran uh, a billion, you know, they just played a billion games uh, just to get to this point. Uh, that's definitely, you know, kind of translates into how healthy is your staff? How much rest do they need? Is there travel involved? Yes, there is. Not very far for, you know, a couple of these teams, but uh, those are teams that absolutely exhausted every arm they have, especially Southern Miss to get to this point. So uh, I, you know, it's just, I'm not going to put money down when your pin has had to throw, you know, four games and 500 pitches. Uh, and that is really big. I mean, I, I think I tweeted out a uh, bullpen count on Sunday. So it's really important to know like how taxed that these pins are because it, it, it plays a huge factor in totals and giving up leads. Last one to get you out of here on just so, you know, that baseball fan who wants to sound in the know can name drop a little bit. I know we've said Brayton Taylor, who's killing it for the Horn Frogs, Dylan Cruz, obviously a name to remember Ethan Petrie for South Carolina. Who's another player that you just love to watch, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter, that this kid is just electric. And as soon as you name drop them, there's a high likelihood they're going to do something special during these super regionals. Well, that, I, I mentioned Jack Hagley and for Florida. Uh, he's absolutely does everything. He plays in the field. He pitches. He's he generally has he, he can start on Friday nights. Most of the season, he started on Sundays. I know he started on Friday in the regional because they wanted to get that game one win against the four seed and then move on. But he also is the biggest power hitter in the Florida Gators lineup. And he does everything. He is Shohei Otani uh, of the college baseball game. So be watching that Gainesville regional and looking for that name. So just a quick recap of Collins picks, you know, in terms of value to win this whole thing, at least make a deep run. LSU plus 650, South Carolina 12 to 1, TCU 13 to 1. Alabama off the board in the majority of markets because of the betting scandals and, and issues that they're having in Tuscaloosa. But if you can see a number, what would kind of be your your threshold for a play on the Crimson Tide to win this whole thing? It was 30 to 1 before the regionals, and I feel like I would need 30 to 1 to go up against Wake Forest. 
All right, for Colin Wilson, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. Thank you so much for listening and keep an eye on our feed. We're going to have more with the College World Series as we move on to you know the Elite Eight, so to speak, and then working our way down all the way to the championship three-game series. So keep an eye out for that, as well as our regular programming from Stucky Colin and Brett McMurphy. I'm Mike Calabrese. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.